Hello, this Saturday morning, you're listening to The Core Report Weekend Edition with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. On this show, you'll be hearing conversations typically featured in our YouTube video series, Connecting the Dots. In these conversations, I speak to experts from various industries who help connect the dots on topics and issues that aren't usually accessible to most of us. But be sure, by the end of it, you would have gained a deeper understanding of something interesting or significant in the industrial or technology space as I did putting it together. If you prefer video, we've also included the YouTube link in the description. Other than that, we hope you truly enjoy the show. This is the weekend edition of The Code Report. Hello and welcome to Connecting the Dots. I'm pleased to be joined by Anuj Puri, Chairman of Real Estate Consulting Firm, Anurag Consulting. Anuj, thank you so much for joining me. So we're going to talk about real estate. We're going to, you know, pick some dots and then try and connect them in the context of real estate and what's happening. But as we dive into that, let me ask you something. What's the most shocking or interesting thing that you've heard in terms of either a deal or some development in the real estate space in recent months? A uh, number of things that have, uh, I would say, changed and have shocked me in the last three, four years. You know, first is when COVID hit at that time, I thought that real estate was really going to take a big hit. You know, who was going to buy a new home? Who was going to spend crores in being able to buy a new home? Who's going to take a new office space? Uh, who's going to take a new shop? Everything was moving on to online. And I thought, you know, this is going to be a pretty tough time uh, for uh, real estate. Uh, but on the other side of COVID, I think the way our economy functioned, you know, the way, uh, you know, the governments rallied behind the businesses have really surprised me pleasantly. I think four or five shocking things that I have seen is, um, one is that the office demand still continues to remain robust. If you look at more Western economies, you know, particularly US or Europe. Yeah, you're seeing 50% occupancy exactly, or less. Exactly. And you look at any of the listed companies today. You know, if you were to take out the SEZ portfolio outside, they are between 95 to 98% occupancy, you know, which is really amazing to see is this kind of demand, you know, again, we're seeing is like three and a half crores or four crores square feet of new demand within this uh, calendar year on the office side, yet internationally, people are struggling to come back uh, to office. So, so one, India is diverging in that sense. So completely diverging. And, you know, that's a pleasant surprise that people have come back to the office and they're wanting to sort of, you know, work from office and occupancies have really gone up. Or their bosses are making them do. <laughs> their bosses are making them come back to the office. The second is on the residential. Uh, I think lots of changes in that is that have surprised me. One, you know, millennials who used to rent are wanting to buy. Second, people are wanting bigger you know, just before COVID, the houses were getting smaller, smaller, smaller. Suddenly, you know, they're moving bigger, bigger, bigger. They want better quality. They want more infrastructure. They want more open spaces, more ventilation. They want projects of good quality developers. Lots of other things like plots. If you come out and sell, they are like, you know, overnight they sell. Villas, uh, bungalows, second homes in places like Alibag, Lonavla, Goa amazingly, you know, going uh, and, and, and getting sold. What is one big thing that really surprises me is that the value of homes that are being sold above 100 crores. You know, before COVID, we would do, say, one deal a month. You know, currently, we do three to four deals a month, which are of uh, apartments valued more than 100 crore rupees. 
each of them is. So, you know, clearly, so this was mostly be in Mumbai, largely Mumbai and a little bit of NCR. NCR will not be a, a hundred crores. NCR will be more like 25, 30 crores and above. But previously, you wouldn't find those many. Today, you find a lot more which are selling in NCR as well. So clearly, you know, the demand for residential has become more sustainable. We thought it was going to be sort of during COVID, it was a pent-up demand. But it does look like that it's a very sustainable demand and people want better quality and they're willing to spend the money. So there are two or three things here, dots if we can call it that. One is there seems to be a clear aspirational dot. Second is, let's say, the wealth creation, which now people are willing to spend and demonstrate in some ways where the 100 crore deals. The aspiration part could be, and you have to uh, correct me, is the desire to live in a bigger home. Or is it driven by something else? The third is, I think, an interesting point that you made about millennials, which till now, intuitively or counterintuitively, one always assumed that they did not want to buy. So what's connecting these three things here, if at all? There are three dots that I would say which are connecting each other. One is the need. More than the aspiration, Govind, it is the need today. To say is, you know, I need something which is slightly bigger because even if I have to work one day a week from home, I need a study. I need a proper area. You know, if another event like COVID was to come in, I need to get my parents in. I need to have, you know, maybe nanny at home for the small kid. They were not able to do that. So it is the need. Uh, today to say is I need a little little bigger than what I used to live in. Second is on the millennial side, they used to rent. Many building societies during this COVID differentiated if you were an apartment owner versus if you were a tenant. If you were an apartment owner, the rules were a lot more flexible. You could bring in domestic help, you can bring in friends, you could bring in relatives. If you were a tenant, they were very strict. You could not bring in any of those external guys into the building. And, you know, the tenant then said, I don't want to live a, you know, like a second citizen, you know, in the building. I want to go out and buy. That's where these millennials who were renting previously are buying. Plus, I think also the biggest thing is the social security, where, you know, their partners are saying or their parents are saying is, guys, you should have roof over your head, which you own. And that's where I think is that it's the need it is the circumstances, you know, that have led these guys to today not really just rent it, but, you know, own and buy. And third is they are seeing that the value of the property is starting to go up. As a result of it, perhaps it's better for us to buy it today than, you know, miss this cycle. And I'll come to the property prices and so on. But tell us about demand supply now. I mean, of course, it's not the same across the country, but what are the key trends that stand out? So clearly, MMR, which is Mumbai region, going, this has outstripped everything. You know, I have not seen this kind of sale and both in terms of the quantity and also the value. So if you were to look at the top seven, eight cities, 50% of the sale in terms of value is now happening in MMR. The seven, eight cities, total value of sale is about three and a half lakh crore per year. Three and a half lakh crore. A lot of people want to find as, you know, what is that value? So that's the value. Nearly 175 thousand lakh crore is just MMR. Can you imagine all the other cities put together, all the six, seven other cities put together is about that. And people curse Mumbai so much and yet go and buy property here. And yet they're buying property yeah. uh, in here. But also I must say, Govind, that the properties have become a lot more affordable. You know, whilst we're saying is that the property prices are, are going up, I think what has happened is MMR, because the infrastructure has been put in, a lot of the newer belts, you know, like Panvel, like uh, KDMC, 
Kalyan Dombi Valley Municipal Corporation. These have opened up. And here you are able to buy in apartments which are less than a crore rupees of decent developers with full infrastructure that is uh, available. So clearly, from the affordability perspective, you know, there has been because infrastructure has brought down the land cost in you know northern part of Bombay. Second is that the value of the properties have risen, but they have risen slower than the income levels. So over the last 20 odd years, if you were to compare the two, the income levels have gone up way higher than the value of the property. And hence, today, the property, if you were to compare in the last two decades, is the most affordable this year and last year in MMR. Across India. Across India. Across India. But MMR rates are roughly twice the next cheapest city or the next city. You're right. So we, we take it average. that uh, on an average, MMR is about 1.75 crores per unit. On an average, you know, some are like 10, 12 crores, you know, some are 50, 60 lakhs. If you were to take out MMR, then it's about 75, 80 lakh rupee per unit across the other cities. So clearly MMR is, you know, something where we've seen, you know, the value, the volumes really go up compared to and the and other And you're cities. saying that supply is matched with demand at this point in MMR and then we'll come to the other six cities. Uh, so, so yes, supply and demand are very much, I think there's another big change. This is starting from, I would say, as going back to RERA, which is 2014 and then demonetization and then GST and then, you know, we had uh, the debt crisis. As a result of which, you know, the developers have become very conscious that if we are launching a project, we have to complete it. And it's the first time that we are seeing is that uh, projects that are being launched are getting very quickly completed within the timelines that they are establishing. And second is that the projects that were incomplete earlier, new developers are coming in and taking over those projects and completing. Why they are coming in? Going Because suddenly the property prices have gone up and there is profit now in those stuck projects. As a result of new developers are saying is we can come in, we can make money and you know complete it, give it to the home buyer who had bought it 10-12 years ago and plus we still have surplus to sell so that we can make profit out of it. And uh, tell us about the other cities, about the, uh, the other half of the, <laughs> the value. Uh, so uh, in terms of NCR, we have seen is the supply is far lesser than the demand. But the reason for that is that there was a lot of supply that was incomplete, which players are coming in and you know, completing. For example, you know, Amrapali, NBCC has stepped in and they are now completing all five, six thousand you know, units of Amrapali. Greater Noida. The Greater Noida Expressway. Similarly, others are coming in and, you know, picking up for JP. Suraksha has come in and they're picking it up. So as a result of which, the old supply is getting delivered. The new supply is far lesser than where their demand is. Bangalore, we are starting to see a change where the supply is ahead of the demand. And the reason for that is, Govind, in the last six months, we've seen demand slightly shrink in uh, Bangalore. And that may be an outcome of what we are seeing in the tech world, where you know job losses are starting to happen. So we're seeing a little bit of nervousness uh, that has started to creep in in Bangalore. But other than Bangalore, it hasn't yet spread out to the other IT cities. So you know, Pune or Hyderabad, we are not yet starting to uh, see that is uh, the biggest continues to remain MMR, followed by NCR, followed by Bangalore and then the rest of the city. Right, and, and uh, we saw this whole phenomenon a couple of months ago where a lot of people were complaining about rising rentals in Bangalore. So what drove that? I mean, what caused that to spike? I think uh, there were two things for that. Is, uh, one, when people left 
during COVID, you know, the rentals really, really came down. Then these guys were not coming back to work. The corporates, as you rightly said, is forced them to say, okay, you don't want to come to the office, but come back to the city where you are operating from because we will at least want you two days in a week to come back to the office. As a result of it, all of them had to come in immediately. And the landlords decided to take And the them. landlords then decided to bring back the rentals at where it was pre-COVID. So whilst we are saying is that the rentals have gone up, but going there has only gone up to where it was pre-COVID. And then the reason is whilst they may be sort of one or two days working from home, yet the corporate has said is you have to come back to the city where you are operating because you can't be living in Lucknow. And, uh, you know, having working in, you know, Bangalore city, you have to go back to Bangalore as a result of which you have to then rent out the apartment. Right. So we have focused a, a little bit on the demand side. Let me come to what's driving supply. So obviously availability of land is one and the developer and their financing and so on. What else are you seeing uh, in a, at a slightly more macro perspective in terms of how, uh, you know, property investment is taking place from the supply side? I think one big change uh, that we're seeing is uh, going is the consolidation of the developers. And that consolidation of the developers is happening because the home buyer is saying is that I'm only going to buy it from a good quality developer. As a result of which, you know, a C-grade developer is sort of struggling to sell it. So if you're struggling to sell it and the banks are not willing to support you and there is no private equity wanting to invest in residential, how do you complete? So they are being forced to go to the A-grade developer and say is, you know, Mr. A-grade developer, can you please inherit my project? And can we do a joint venture or can we do a joint development? And that's where we're seeing the consolidation. Just in pure numbers, I'll tell you is that in 2017, the listed players and the leading unlisted players' total sale was 17% of the overall India resi sale. 31st March 2023, if you were to look at it, it has come to 32%. So that 17% has gone up to 32%. Our thought is this will go up to 45-50%. And my thought is, Govind, it is not only in real estate. I think it is across all sectors that the consolidation informal is taking to place. Informal to formal. Yeah. Informal to formal. And you are seeing is, you know, guys who had behaved badly in the past or, you know, bad governance, lack of financial discipline, too much of debt that they had taken or inability to have completed in time other guys who are moving out as a result of which consolidation is taking place, which is good for the industry because you're getting in now larger players who are going to make sure, you know, that their brand represents delivery, quality, timeline, and the overall governance for the home buyer. And that's an interesting point, this whole informalization to formalization. And we could talk about, let's say, paints industry or some other industry. But what are the, uh, the first or the second layer fallouts of this happening? I think, uh, you know, clearly, if it just gets too much consolidated, the ability of these developers to increase the price is there is because, you know, previously they were all staggered. If you really consolidate, then you can but I dare say that it'll happen is going still the numbers will be very large for them to be able to do any cartelization. Second is that, you know, they should have the ability to expand their respective organizations because your demand is going to continue. The way that we are seeing is it should not happen that whilst the players got on the supply side consolidated, their inability to deliver to the extended demand. And third is we are hoping that they are new players, new corporates. And in the past, we have seen it. I mean, if you look at it, Hero has come in, Birla has come in. These are all recent guys, you know, Jindal has come in, TVS has come in, Kirloskar has come in. A number of, you know, very pedigreed corporates who have now come into the real estate field, which previously they were not. Previously, you had Mahindra, Tata and Godrej, uh, you know, over there. Now you have a lot of newer players coming in 
So our thought is, you know, with the consolidation, hopefully newer players will come in. Hopefully the existing players will expand their ability to deliver their organizations. And hopefully there will be no cartelization on the pricing. But uh, you talked about these new organizations. You talked about uh, Mahindra, I know is older, but you said Kirloskar and TVS. And are these basically because they had land and they are now they're monetizing that and that's giving them the impetus to do more or is it only their own land? So Govind, they started with their own land, but today they're out there and expanding and buying new parcels of land. So they tried it with their own land and saw that there was success and have now expanded this as a proper business where they're going and buying third-party lands and developing that. So if you look now at the macro picture and try and look ahead, what is going to drive uh, both real estate from the supply side as well as demand side? Or at least what are the signals that you're looking at for 23-24 as you try and figure out where the best deals or the biggest deals will happen? So on the demand side, Govind, it'll be largely, you know, how the Indian economy continues to do that is, you know, it seems to be on a pretty strong, you know, foot at this moment in time. And if it continues and the employment continues, I mean, resi real estate doesn't have its own legs. It actually piggybacks on the economy. If the economy does well and there is new employment generation that happens is, you know, the residential will continue to do well. So the demand is largely going to come in from, you know, how the employment and how the economy really does. I think the buyer profile will become younger and younger and younger. I do believe as Govind also, people will want to buy a little bit further from the city center. They're quite okay to travel, but they want a little bit bigger. I do feel is that the second home is here to stay. A lot of people thought that this is only a COVID phenomena and second home demand is going to you know, disappear. I think people do really want the quality of life and uh, you know, they're willing to invest. And some of these cities like Goa, for example, to me has crossed the threshold of just being a second home is becoming a tier one city uh, today where people are you know, moving their work base and said is that we want quality of life on that side. So that's on the demand side. I think on the supply side, uh, what is continuing to prompt is that the home buyer is there, the demand is there, the debt availability for good quality developers is pretty much there. And we're seeing is many of these uh, Govin players have become listed as a result of which ability to go and access equity on the stock market is there. I mean, look at it in uh, during Macrotech, you know, which is the Lodas, you know, they did it, Sriram has done it, Rustamji has done it, several others, you know, who've been able to do it during the COVID period. And their ability to then access uh, the markets uh, to raise up equity is where you're going to see the money come in for the new supply. And, and if I can sort of bring it back to uh, the point that you mentioned about GST and demonetization, or even Rera for that matter, yeah. all attempts at bringing uh, indirectly or directly some order into this industry. Uh, would you say that this is a cleaner industry today? It's easier for people to buy in white and not break their heads? Of course, it is for many people and many properties and developers. But in general, what would you say about how clean and how efficient it is? 100% go with it. I mean, I've been in this industry since the mid-90s. I am telling you, this is absolutely becoming a mature. This is becoming an industry. We were never an industry. There is a huge amount of corporate discipline now. Huge amount of governance, delivery focused, client focused, quality focused. Clearly, the developer has understood it. Then you can't do any musti. You know, the musti that used to happen is that, you know, you were taking money from the home buyer and using that to either buy a fancy car for yourself or buy another plot of land for yourself or go on holidays is not happening under RERA. Huge amount of transparency uh, that has come in. And I do feel is, uh, Govind, that the government, judiciary and media has really helped in formalizing this industry because they have 
one, given a thumbs up to the guys who have done a great job. And on the other hand, reprimanded. The guys, you know, who have taken a lot of advantage of the poor home buyer. Who is a poor home buyer? Because his or her full life saving is going in that, you know, property. But there was a malintent of not wanting to deliver. That is. So I, I do feel is all that is flushed out. Yes, there will be one or two students in the class who will always remain misbehaved. Uh, in there, but largely the classroom has come into order. And last question, you know, data is a very critical component of understanding what's going on. What would you say in terms of the kind of data sources you have within real estate and what would you need or want to look for, particularly if you look at how people are tracking trends internationally? So, so Govind, we have come up a long way, but yet there is a fair amount of distance to be traversed as far as the data is concerned. I think uh, one recent move that came in early last week uh, by Maharashtra RERA is fantastic. You know, what they have said is, we are going to rank each project. We will give marks to each project. We will give marks to each developer. We will go through the entire scrutiny on the financial viability of the project, on any legal issues, on the approval process, on the timelines, etc. And we will rank a project. To me, it is like fantastic. If a buyer in Maharashtra wants to buy, Maharera would have actually put a mark, a number to that project and to that developer. They'll start, I think, in April 2024. Uh, they're starting to collect all the data. To me, that's a big, big ability to bring in transparency into this. Uh, I mean, not too sector. much subjectivity, you feel? Uh, or some? Th there will be some subjectivity, but I think over a period of time, that subjectivity will also uh, go away. But it's a big move. For the and authority it's a, to it's say it's a data yes. point for you, and it's a data point, and it's a data point for the home buyer as well. Uh, Govind to say is okay. You know, it may be sixty-seven on hundred, for example, if it is from hundred is, uh, then I know that it is in that genre. It may not be exactly sixty-seven, but it is in that genre. So okay, it is a good project uh, for me to be able to go out and uh, buy it. But uh, clearly, there is some distance still to be traversed. I'm not saying we've got up there in terms of transparency. If you were to look at, you know, the U.S., Canada, or Australia top three countries, their data is very transparently available. I think we're moving towards that direction where the registration of the property is getting online and hence the ability of people to be able to access that information. Largely, I would say is uh, when the deals are really above board. There aren't, you know, all that used to happen in the past is really not happening. So you are being able to access data, which is pretty accurate to be able to then bring it and, uh, you know, start to produce the data set that you require. Okay. Anuj, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Go Thank you. Thank you. This was the core report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in. That is www.thecore.in or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you, including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening. <laughs>